Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week we pick a starting point and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to unearth a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are, well, useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is Series 2, Episode 10, US States. Okay, I think the starting point for this episode was a little quiz I found on Tinternet. And it was there was one particular little quizzy thing that I really enjoyed, so I'm going to put it to you. Go on then. There's only one letter of the alphabet mm-hmm. that doesn't appear in any US state name. Can you guess what oh. it is? We'll edit out the long pause. I'll give you one guess, okay? Oh, one guess? Yeah. Okay, Q. Oh, very good. Oh. It is Q. Boom. I was hoping that most people would have said X or Z, but yeah, it's Q. Well yeah. done. Well uh, done. That was pure, unadulterated luck. Anyway, so then I, I thought I'd find some fun facts about various US states. Good. You'll like this. Mm. Kentucky. Yeah. The home of... The Derby. Yes, yes. And the home of bourbon. Is that how you say it? Bourbon or bourbon? It's bourbon. Bourbon. I think bourbon's the biscuit. Bourbons are the biscuits. Bourbon is the booze. Yeah, okay. So it's the home of bourbon. Bourbon. Um, Did you know that one-fifth of its counties is dry? So Ah. they can't sell booze in in one-fifth of the counties of Kentucky, the state. Okay, which makes that kind of ironic, doesn't it? No liquor sales allowed at all. And New Jersey has the most something in the country. (laughs) What do you think that might be? Is it the most disappointed people? (laughs) It's the most diners. Oh, wow. New Jersey has got the most diners in all of the United States of America. Yeah. Well, that's certainly bordering on interesting. The official state dance of South Carolina is called the shag. Oh. (laughs) There you go. See? There you go. It's a form of the jitterbug. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I think the word shag in the way that we perhaps use it here in the United Kingdom doesn't translate in the same way, does it? A bit like fanny. Fanny means obviously something very different. And um, I remember being in... Well, it's not that different. It's just your bum, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not rude. No, true. You know, your back bottom is less rude than your front bottom. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) I was in, I think it was San Luis Opisbo. Oh, I. And uh, there was a shop there called Fanny Wrappers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was brilliant, and it's well, just not in any way rude or funny. To the I, good I think people it was of California. Um, I think it was underwear, pants, or right things to wrap your fanny in. Yeah. Okay, Hawaii. Yeah. It's the most isolated large population center on Earth. Okay. Almost two thousand four hundred miles from California. Yeah. And f- about four thousand miles from Japan. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, Hawaii is one of only two states mm-hmm. in which all forms of gambling are illegal. Oh, okay. Can you guess what the other state is? I'll say California, but I'm sure it's not right. No, it's Utah. Mm-hmm. So apparently, because of this, Hawaiians are absolutely obsessed with gambling. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they absolutely love Las Vegas. which is home to one of the largest populations of native Hawaiians outside Hawaii. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, and they call it the Ninth Island 
Because you know Hawaii is made up of, well, lots of islands, but yeah. eight significant ones. Okay. And Las Vegas, it has the honorary title of the Ninth Island. The Ninth Hawaiian Island. Yeah. That is genuinely reasonably interesting. Thank you. So I think it's reasonably well known that uh, Barack Obama was born in Hawaii. Yes. Although there's a certain number of... The birthers. The right-wing Republicans decided that uh, they didn't want to believe that. Um, uh, But also a native of um, Hawaii, Mm. Honolulu to be exact. Oh, yeah. Bette Midler. Oh, Bette Midler. Bette Midler is a Hawaiian. She began her singing career. Mm. in New York City, mm. singing in the Continental Baths in the Ansonia Hotel. Right. Um, and this was in the summer of 1970. Okay. And during this time, she became close to her piano accompanist, a certain Barry Manilow. Oh, Barry Manilow played the piano for Bette Midler in the early days. In the early days, Basil oh, Manilow. that must have been so much fun. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh! You'd pay good money to see that now, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. And he also produced her first album in 1972. Right. The album was called The Divine Miss M. Okay. And her most famous hit... Did you ever know that you're my hero? What's it called? You You are the wind beneath my wings. Yeah, that was um, written in 1982 by, apparently, Jeff Silbar and Larry Henley. Okay. So you know. Yeah. And the song was first recorded by someone called Kamal in 1982 for a country and western album, but it was not commercially released. And instead, I couldn't believe my eyes when I read this, instead Roger Whittaker, of all people, recorded the song. Really? Yeah. But you are the wind beneath my wing. Did you know that in the 1990s, somebody else released their version of Wind Beneath My Wings um, as a single? An actor. Any recollection who? No. A British actor. I'm not going to waste any more time guessing because I will certainly be wrong. Okay, if I say the name Bill Tarmy, does that mean anything to you? It rings a bell. Jack Duckworth from Corrie. Reached number 40 on the UK singles chart. Wow. Uh, While his biggest hit single was a cover of the Barry Manilow song, ah. One Voice. Yeah, Bill Tarmy recorded Barry Manilow's One Voice with the St. Winifred School Choir. Well, blow me down with a very small puff of wind. And produced by... Go on. Stock and Waterman. Oh. I don't know what happened to Aitken. He heard it. He said, I'm not going anywhere near that nonsense. <laughs> well, actually, that reached number 16 in the charts. Did it? Of course you know... St Winifred School Choir from their single In the UK it demoted John Lennon's last single Just Like Starting Over to number two 
I know. Um, did you know that one of the children who appeared on television in the 1980 uh, recording yeah. of There's No One Quite Like Grandma yeah. was Sally Lindsay. Okay. Do you know her? No. She was also in Coronation Street oh. in yet another fun coincidence. Um, she played Shelley Unwin oh, and okay. worked in the Rover's Return. So in real life, mm -hmm. Sally Lindsay is mm -hmm. married to the former drummer of the Style Council oh. um, and Paul Weller band Steve White. So I just want to just get that into my head. So one of the choir of St Winifred School Choir yeah. who sang on um, There's No One Quite Like Grandma went on to marry... Steve White. He off the style council. Although White was never actually officially asked to be in the band, even though he appeared in most of their videos oh. and on all but a few recordings. And he is the older brother, the older of course, brother. of former Oasis drummer right. Alan White. Alan White, yeah. Who was with the band from 1995 until 2004 when he got replaced by... Oh, was it uh, Zach Starkey? It was Zach Starkey, Ringo's yes. Ringo's boy, yeah. Ringo's boy, yeah. Um, so then I, I, I jumped onto Zach Starkey very briefly. I've got this really nice little snippet about Zach Starkey, if I may read it to you. You may. He married Shana Liguz, his partner of 18 years, right. in 2022. Uh -huh. The wedding was held at the Sunset Marquee Hotel in West Hollywood, California. Okay. Eddie Vedder and Johnny Marr were the best men. Oh, while reggae musician Pato Banton officiated the ceremony. <laughs> do you remember Pato Banton? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. I haven't heard of Pato Banton for ages, and then he officiated Zach Starkey's wedding last year. That is random. Okay, well, continuing on with Oasis the uh, Brit pop band of the 90s. Another past member of mm. said band yeah. was Andy Bell, not Andy Bell off of Erasure. Yeah, that would be slightly incongruous, wouldn't it? Andy Bell in Oasis. Well, you say that, it might have given them something a little bit more than the yeah. meat and potatoes that they did yeah. uh, produce. Might have added a certain sprinkle of magic. Now, did you know and I suspect you do because you are a bit of an Erasure fan, but they have sold over 25 million records worldwide. Wow. Um, which is pretty damn impressive, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And they achieved, check this, 24 consecutive top 40 hits in the UK, as well as five number one albums. Well, I'm not surprised because they were absolutely fantastic. I loved Erasure. Ooh, sometimes. I absolutely loved The Circus in particular, that album. I remember I'd read my Famous Five books and I'd listen to The Circus. That's a lovely memory you've had there oh. and I'm, I'm happy for you. Now I've already done a lovely rendition but you will remember their breakthrough hit sometimes. I remember it with incredible fondness. It was a magical time. Um, and it was a huge hit, made them stars. But surprisingly, it never got to number one. No, it was number two, wasn't it? Oh, you remember that, do you? Yeah, yeah. I do. Can you remember what kept it off number one? No. The final countdown. That used to be my ringtone. Did you know that mm -hmm. the final countdown, which was written by Joey Tempest okay. of Swedish rockers Europe. Smashing um, hair. A wonderful hair. It was it was based on a keyboard riff that he'd made in the early eighties. Um, it was it was never meant to be released as a, a single. It was intended to be just a concert opener. 
Oh. You know, ramping up the excitement and all of that. Okay. But the record company decided to release it and it was this huge hit. Apparently the video has had one billion views wow. on YouTube. One billion. One billion. Can you imagine? A song that you've written has been viewed by one seventh of the entire population of the planet Earth. Not bad going for the blow-dried hair rockers from, uh, where were they from? Sweden. Sweden. Anyway, that is fabulously entertaining and interesting at the same time, but I'm going to go back to Erasure, if I may. And more specifically, the mighty Vince Clark. Now, Vince was obviously one of the founding members mm. of Depeche Mode, mm. but he left after the band was going in a different direction. But Vince soldiered on, of course, famously, yeah. and went on to combine with the mighty Alison Moyet. And I'll tell you how that came about. Mm. He answered an ad that Alison Moyet had put in the Melody Maker. Wow, State, wow. Yeah, stating that she was looking for a band to sing for. And Clark, uh, Vince Clark spotted it and asked her if she would be willing to sing a demo that he'd just recorded for his record label, which he was still signed to. And she agreed. She must have been well happy when yeah. Vince Clark got in touch. And interestingly, when Yazoo split up, that's how Vince found Andy Bell. He put an ad in Melody Maker. It's just crazy to think that Vince Clark would need to put an ad in the Melody Maker to find a singer. But uh, anyway, listen. Well, that worked out very well for both he and um, Andy Bell. It all worked out well, so that's all fine and dandy. Yeah. And I didn't know this. Did you know that Yazoo hmm. in the US are known simply as Yaz? Oh, yes. Now, I did know that. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, oh. I don't know why. Do you know why they're called Yaz? Well, according to Alison Moyet, the name Yazoo had already been taken oh. for a specialist blues record label, Yazoo Records. Oh. So, um, and they were th they, apparently they were threatened with a 3.5 million, uh, I don't know if that was pounds or US dollars, lawsuit mm. by the label over the band's name. Oh. Well, yet another thing that's called Yazoo mm -hmm. is the brand of yoghurt drinks. Right. Have you ever had a Yazoo? No. Oh, they're lovely. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're flavoured milks, actually, okay. rather than yoghurt, I would say. Okay. Chocolate milk and banana milk. It's not really my vibe. They're nice. I'll take your word for it. Um, anyway, I thought I'd um, do one of my favourite things, which is take a look at some reviews of the um, drink. So here's a few. Go on. While this is not good for me, I do particularly like this. I tend to treat myself to a bottle of it after each time I go blood doning. Wow. Were they yeah. virtue signalling that they blood? Donate? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. It's it's actually going to the effort of writing. Anyway, but that's what's interesting. People are strange. Indeed. <laughs> Here's another one. In my younger days, this was used to cure a hangover. Nowadays, I just drink it for pleasure. Okay, good for you. Also, yeah. I'm glad you've contributed Slightly. your opinion. And then I discovered this um, funny little website dedicated hmm. to finding the best chocolate milk in the world. Oh, wow. It's called A Fool's Arand. I don't know. How are we spelling what that? that a, a, a Fool, A-F-O-O-L, yeah. Z-E-R-R-A-N-D.com. Okay, right. Okay, so it's this guy, mm -hmm. and he says in his bio, yep, I've loved chocolate milk ever since I can remember and have become obsessed with finding the absolute best the world has to offer. Wow. And perhaps the worst. In order to do that, I would have to, well, Try them all. So here I am, 
foolish enough to try, naive enough to continue, determined enough to embrace diabetes before my 40th birthday. What a hero. Yeah, and then it says, 1,745 chocolate milks, 52 countries. Wow. And there are pages and pages of chocolate milks with nutrition information, marks out of 10, notes. Wow. Yeah, and the notes for the Yazoo chocolate milk are very distinctive taste with strong creamy aftertaste, a little bit of grainy finish on the tongue after swallowing. Wow. I mean, it's like a wine tasting, isn't it? Yeah. And apparently that bottle of Yazoo was purchased in Peterborough, apparently. An overall score, 5.5 out of 10. Oh, I'm surprised it scored so low. I thought he was singing its praises there. Well, I then wanted to look at what got the lowest scores. Oh, go on. There were around 20 that received zero. Oh, dear. Point zero. I particularly enjoyed this review of a vegan chocolate milk, mm -hmm. which I've edited because it was quite long. Tough to put into words, but think late August seafood restaurant mm -hmm. dumpster juice <laughs> without the intrigue. Solidly misses the mark on every facet of chocolate milk. I applaud the concept. I dig the niche. I like the branding. Hate is a strong word. I absolutely hate the flavour and drinking experience. Brilliant. Thank you for listening to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love to hear from you, especially if we've got any of our information wrong, or you have some more fascinating facts about something we've talked about, or you could even suggest a subject for our starting point. Our email address is when one thing leads to another at gmail.com. A massive thank you to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. It's a track called Homo Erectus, taken from his fantastical album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting us. Join us next week for another episode of When One Thing Leads to Another. Please note that all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity. Mm -hmm.